1: Hello and welcome to What a Load of Cobblers, Friday Night Lights, old and unimproved, the new season like Steve Sherwood between the county ground sticks. I'm Tom Reed, and joining me tonight are Martin Maloney, hopefully Ian Brant, and a man not sure where the land lies with Colin Caldwood after his impression of him. Jefferson Lake. How are you doing, guys? You all right.
2: I'm good, thanks. You.
1: Yeah, very, very well. It's um it's really strange. Like I expected us to be out of lockdown by now. I guess it's sort of almost reflective of our sort of like being trapped as cobblers fans, which is trapped in this perpetual lockdown. Mm. So a bit of a strange one. But um missing tonight are um Brendan Walsh, who's at a Shawadi Wadi revival on Anglesey, <laughs> And um Andy Bodfish, who is legitimately over in Tokyo commentating on the Olympics. Now, as excuses go, Jeff, do you reckon commentating on the Olympics is that acceptable for missing
2: the podcast? It's definitely up there, isn't it? Mm. Uh, being in Tokyo is quite a good excuse to get out of probably just about anything, I would say.
1: Yeah, I, I'd go with that. It's just probably one of the only excuses we'll allow. Um, we're hoping to do a little spot with him later in the show, depending on how the undersea communication cables to safari start this time of year. But if you're listening, Andy, we're all really proud of you for doing your thing in Japan. Brilliant to see you doing the comms on the BBC coverage today, which is just Brilliant and uh but just don't lose sight of your roots covering snow volleyball and log rolling if you're listening andy <laughs> keep it real mate um how you doing martin um you've been fresh out of the action one tonight has the owner asked you to mention uh what you refer to as the jewel of n 3 in exchange for three points again um
3: haven't mentioned it it's, it's the new swinging sparring um, <laughs> it's, now you're talking. It's, um yeah, we, you know, we live, I I we all know I'm an estate boy. I've, I've lived most of my life in the east. We have a dearth of um of decent pubs, community community pubs, and Bippin down Acton one doing a wonderful job. Um, just need to get more people in there. Um, it's it's a good it's a good place and a good yeah. Place. Well, hopefully through
1: the uh, through the podcast we'll get a few more punters in the doors. You've mentioned um the Swinging Spora now for people of a certain age uh probably whose mum or dad used to go in there when they were at western fable center the swing and Sporin' was and it's un- quite unbelievable to think about it a scottish themed pub in the <laughs> western fable center legend has it it had a tartan carpet i can't remember that personally but um yeah it was just basically people used to go shopping and um you know maybe the wives were about being sexist would go shopping in the uh, probably a sexist
3: time in the 80s that the husbands were just going to swing in Sporin'. does anyone remember that pub yeah, that was that was pretty much it, my, um I think I was, I was we were talking. Uh, we mentioned the Facebook chat. We were talking down at the, down the Ector one, and um, I remember my sister would go after we went to Beckett, and her and a mate would go there and play pool. It's quite a rough pub, but it was. Yeah, it seemed like yeah, they, they were they were quite out. as their place to go and play pool, and um, yeah, it, it seems a bit of anachronism now, like a part um, a kind of rough pub as opposed to um family type pub in in a shopping center
1: yeah
3: yeah, yeah. It,
1: was, it was opposite Tandies, which I used to like Tandys in western fable <laughs> yeah um, I was a bit of a, of a nerd
3: I, I used to be in Tandys now and again trying to, trying to build things not very successfully what did you used to build I think I remember a radio kit I think I might wow. have done a computer sort of thing. No, none of these things ever worked. I don't oh, okay. up on it. I'll,
1: I'll take it back. None <laughs> yeah, sort of those no like, wow about it. <laughs> remember those sort of basic computer sets in the 80s and you got like a board and you had all these bits and you were supposed to make some sort of circuit or something and that, yeah like Martin said they never worked and you sort of chucked it in the corner after like half an hour. But um Tandy's was really good for just going in and like do you remember those obviously you do you remember those big like what would you call them like tape decks just go in there press the tape open the tape open the cd that's that's, that's a decent afternoon in the uh Jersey, isn't it mine is that are
3: you, are you trying to describe a stereo system
1: yeah it was called a, it had a name tape <laughs> a system, it tape
2: hi-fi system
1: hi-fi that's it hi-fi that's
2: it like it was like a sound was called like a sound center entertainment center or something like that <laughs> it
1: was, yeah. it was, did you have one with the three spinning CDs? That was towards the end of the uh, hi fi
3: era. It was like Very much around not. at the top.
2: No, no, never no, in well, well, no, Welcome
3: to the Back to the 80s podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the were Where's your
1: Tandy memories? Can, can you go for a pint in Western Fable Centre now,
3: Martin? Is that
2: uh, no. No. No, no.
3: And I mean, unless you're going into Tesco and opening one up as soon as you come out, you can't.
2: Or you could go into um Mandarin Buffet and have a pint in there. It's not mm-hmm. technically the Western Fable shopping centre, is it? But it's right by Certainly it. Certainly walking distance. Yeah.
1: Has it got a pool table and a tartan carpet, Jeff?
2: Sa- sadly not. I mean that would be a that would be an interesting idea, wouldn't it? Like a fusion concept, a Scottish stroke Chinese restaurant.
1: Fantastic. There's,
2: there's a lot of mileage in that, I think.
1: There's one in Shoreditch probably, Jeff.
2: Oh uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And Corby probably, no doubt.
1: <laughs> um yeah, so Jeff, like, I know this is a sore subject for you and one of your many feud right, run-ins with cobbler's personnel. Um Colin Caldwood, remember that that worryingly accurate uh, impression you did of him back in <laughs> on the podcast? Did you ever expect him to come back and face, you know, have to face up to him now?
2: No. I didn't know. <laughs> but um <laughs> I was thinking about this, and it's kind of um, it's interesting because when Courtois first came in, he was seen as as sort of um, a young up and coming coach. He'd been at Spurs and stuff, and it was seen as like this was going to be his first stop on a managerial pathway to greatness, which would lead end with him managing Spurs to the Champions League and things like that. And obviously, it never really worked out, and he went bounced around a few other clubs, and has now ended up back. Sort of back where it all started, really, in Northampton, and in a way, that's kind of similar to how my career has gone. <laughs> I was, a, <laughs> I was a, sort of a, a young a young journalist, for, you know, full of enthusiasm and but not highly rated by anyone, apart from probably my nan, and um, was just sort of making starting out making a name for myself, and then went to a few other places, and it didn't really work out, and now I'm back at Northampton at the university. So, c- Colin and I are kindred spirits in that regard, and the fact I can do his voice completely accurately only just sort of underlines that really i feel yeah well i
1: think you're being far too modest there you're a very highly rated writer don't worry about that is he the sort of guy that you would perhaps take to a um chinese and scottish pub at western Table center he would, would that love it too,
2: that'd be too too twee he would he would love that obviously being scottish i'm sure he, i'm sure he loves chinese cuisine as well he lives in um i or think Washington? he lived yeah he does north,
3: doesn't he how we yeah it?
2: it's out, out sort of north north side somewhere isn't it yeah, so western I, I, fable I believe, not too far for him
3: I believe without uh, do, does okay, occasion to the obelisk centre uh, oh. uh, for, for his Sunday afternoon beers um, so if you ever fancy popping like I say hello I believe he, drink, he drinks there
1: <laughs> I'm going to have to beep all this out because basically we're just going to ruin his life because a lot of cobbler's
2: nerds will turn uh, up and stalk him um, perhaps so that's I should have point. said,
3: we have tried to promote our local pub. I believe he drinks in the X. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> and so does John Brady and the entire first team squad every night. And you can't move for Bayo
3: Akin <laughs> <laughs> Uh Yeah, it, it might
1: actually reduce the crowd even further, saying that the coppers drink their mind. And this is <laughs> really the coolest thing the But, um, yeah, I think... You know, it's nice to have Colin Cordwood back at the, the club. I think it's quite a good idea to have um, just some layers of expertise, layers of knowledge throughout the, uh, the the you know the setup and stuff. Often, when you sack a manager, a lot of the you know expertise sort of disappears. And you know, if I hope he doesn't, John Brady ever gets the boot, there'll still be a bit of a, a platform below him to sort of continue what's going on. So, it makes a lot of sense. I'm just, I'm just, yeah, I'm just if in that moment when um, Calderwood and Jeff's eyes meet and he just probably forgotten <laughs> about you for a little bit, Jeff, and it suddenly, you just remember that guy.
2: Can you ask a very difficult back. question? Jeff? No, it was, um, the st- <laughs> all it was, I, I reported that, um, Sean Dyche was at a game taking in a game and could be seen as someone they might want to sign in the future. And he took yeah. exception to that. Um, because, uh, well, basically, they they still had players that were still playing for the club in that position and uh, playoff games to come. Uh, and then, but then they did sign him. Uh, it's probably worth pointing out at this point that he continued to be the manager for a good couple of years after that, and everything was all all cool between us. It wasn't like this um, this beef that's never been resolved, like uh, you know, it's just going to resurface now, fifteen years later. <laughs> Uh, when you
3: you say it was all cool was it the colder side the colder side of cool or the warmer side of cool
2: it was um i'd say the ever so slightly the chillier side because because it was his first job and i think he hadn't you know like um assuming quite a lot here but he hadn't kind of got into the groove of how to play the media game really I think at that point if if it had been someone like um I was going to say Gary Johnson then but he was uh let's say challenging in other ways if it was someone who had who had managed been managing for 20 years they wouldn't have cared about that or you know they would have said something but in a and different a quiet, way, and a
3: quiet word.
2: Yeah, you know, next press conference it would have just been like get pulled to the side afterwards or something like that. But um, yeah, I like to think I was I played a key role in his development into being a top class manager and coach, with how with how we both handled that incident with maturity and class.
3: So you kind of think that you know <laughs> the, the career path he had of leading Spurs to Champions League has instead gone via Blackpool, Cambridge, and a couple others and end up as assistant manager at the Cobblers. You've been key in that. <laughs> I can't wait for you and him to have this beer and we need to film this. I think, though, I mean, joking aside, and there's obviously a, a load of humorous things here, he went did the assistant job, and, and we have that thing where some people aren't great at being the man, but they're really, hmm. really brainy and they're good. Yeah. Uh, Alan Neal's a great example. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he was a manager for, at a couple of clubs with Wilder's assistant, and they worked out. Let's flip this over, and bloody hell, it worked brilliantly. Mm. Um, he's been in charge at a few places, did well here, did did okay at Forest. Generally, gone to assistant jobs elsewhere and done okay. And at Blackpool last season, and this was something in the relegation zone when he went in there October, I think it was end up in the play in the playoffs was it the playoffs and won it or automatic promotion yeah yeah like you know he seemed to be a catalyst for some really good stuff now of course there was, there's other moving parts it feels like an, a young yeah, uh, you know, young coach in charge who he would i assume would have had some interaction with when he was here maybe just thinks right okay i do mess up, you know I, I don't want to personally make the big decisions I'm a really wise counsel and good coach. Actually, it's a natural fit. As the club, you know, I mean, on this podcast, we've we've a a lot of concerns about stuff ownership-wise, financially, and all sorts of other things at the club. But in terms of the moves they've made at the management structure, they've done everything we've asked for and more. And he's a natural fit in that. And he lives locally, and I, I really like that. Mm. Yeah, it's that managers,
1: like being a manager, I guess, is a young man's game to an extent. When he, um, maybe you, you go over forty, it's very stressful. You know, there's no security in it. I'm not sure. I think maybe being assistant is a smart move, really. And who knows? He might think that, you know, how things work. If John Brady ever moves on, that there might be a role for him here. You know, being you know, a manager in Northampton, where he lives locally, he's got family and stuff, it's not such a bad gig in, in the world of football now, so febrile, I guess you'd call it, um, the sport now, so I just, my only concern, Jeff, is when you go for a, a drink with him in the new <coughs> Scottish-Chinese um, pub we're doing at Western Fable, Um, after a few drinks, is he the sort of guy that might suddenly, you know, he's cool with you, but after a while, he's he sort of, flips he remembers he remembers
2: <laughs> that little running with you possibly might... possibly and mm-hmm. i mean i don't know how uh, sort of a progressive a thing this is to say but there is no accent that inspires fear in a man quite like a scottish accent is there when it's when it's de- when it's delivering a, 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 a particularly aggressive threat nothing nothing really beats scottish so hopefully we never get to see that when we're enjoying yeah. a pint together in acton one
3: um, mm, well, oh. we, all, we, should, we should do a live podcast from the xm1 that's
2: a great shout
1: he, he's just been fed that line from the owner of the xm1 he's he in felt- there
2: he's in there now isn't he up <laughs> 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 <Hey, I, laughs> on the bar
3: i even said to the lads i said right normally when it's podcast <laughs> night i set my alarm for for six minutes too because it takes me four minutes to walk back and then literally <laughs> i've logged on and i'm on Say, good. First, good, first game of the season. I've said it for 10-2, and I'm actually leaving before even 10 So let's have a chat
1: with ex-cobbler Craig Adams, who we did a very well-received interview with on his time at the county ground. Now manager of UCL side Cooknell no, United. How's it going, Craig? You started off with a nice win,
0: yeah. Morning, Tom. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's been good. I've uh, been in the the sort of manager's position for probably 12 weeks now, um, including the, the sort of off-season bit. Um, we, we got them in early. We've had to rebuild pretty much everything. I think we've got two or three players that were left from last season's um, squad. And then we've we've rebuilt with some young and up-and-coming up and uh, sort of players from around the region and, and one or two experienced heads we've had to bring in to level the ship out. But yeah, we've we've had a solid pre season um six, seven games against varied opposition. Um and then we started league campaign on Tuesday night away at Desborough, um, which was encouraging. Um we, we sort of defended really well. Uh we didn't play great with the ball. Desborough were definitely better than us with the ball on the night, but um, you know, we were more effective in the final third and that was the only difference really but yeah so loads loads still to work on um you know they're they're fairly intelligent bunch we got a, a lot of ex sort of scholar players from different clubs and uh, pro clubs and whatnot but yeah it was it was a good start and i'd have took it uh, uh you know um quarter to eight on on tuesday night if somebody said you want a three nil you know i'd have <laughs> i'd have snapped their hand off so um yeah good good solid start lots to work on
1: yeah, that's always going to be the case, especially with your taking over a you know whole new side. Have you got a, a philosophy of, of football you want to uh, try and sort of assert on the club, or are you just trying to sort of take it as it goes and, and, and sort of working with the
0: the players you've got? Well, for me, I've, I've not got a fixed philosophy. I've, I've done philosophies in the past for various coaching courses that I've been on, and yeah. what my ideal philosophy would look like um with and without the ball and the structure of the club and the and the structure of the youth setup but yeah for me going in at cook now i think you've got to be fairly flexible um with yeah. philosophies because it's quite a strict word and it's quite deep um mm. so i I'd probably use beliefs over philosophy at, at the level that i'm working on um yeah. so so um my, my, like, if you want, beliefs uh, and the flexibility of that um, has to fit the player that you can actually get in to start with. So exactly. you look for a brand of player, a type of player, um, w- mainly for me. Uh, I'll be honest. The first thing I look for is if they're a good person with a good attitude, Uh, and then I and obviously if they're in football, they've got some ability, so you've got something to work with. So if they've got an adaptable attitude, a a professional mindset, you know, you can start, and they've got uh, some degree of uh, you know football intelligence, then then you can work with them, you know. And and that was the main thing. So um, you know, I'll be honest. I wanted a play two up top uh so i've never done that before um so that was a test for me so i've got a, a two or three good center forwards in all young 19 yeah. 20 21 yeah um, all ex professional football club scholars um so we've got that i, I wanted to um build around that and that's what i did so i started with the first two signings that are uh, three signings rather i got with with the center forwards and then I, I worked back from that um yeah. and put players in slots that would um complement playing a style with two center forwards um so quite yeah that, that
1: now, isn't it Great. it's quite unusual now to um to play two center forwards especially at the, the top end of football is often like a you know a, a holding forward and then you know someone playing off him so i guess uh, you know, at the UCL level, goals win games, well, goals win games at all levels, but there's often probably a lot of tight matches at your level and you really need a couple of players that are going to put up the chances when you get them away.
0: Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm not a coach that likes to go out and say, if you score three, we'll score four. That's not yeah. me at all. I'd, yeah. I'd rather keep clean sheets um <laughs> zero against all season. Yeah. Um, but but so playing two up top wasn't because I wanted to be uh, gun hard and just you know um, put the ball in into the you know the grass behind the back of the opposition back defenders or whatever it was it was more of the fact that you know like you say it was a test for me as well because I only ever played one up front in predominantly throughout my coaching or managing assisting whatever it's always yeah. been a, a variation of a four five one. Um, you know whether whatever you do with your midfield and your front three is a different matter but um, so yeah two two centre forwards and work off that but I do I do work I mean all we've done is structural work through our pre-season obviously we've had to do an element of um, physicality and fitness but we've with the modern day thing is to put that in with a football. Um that's not to say, you know, it's all been nice. It's been graft, you know, and, and there's ways of um, you know, getting your fitness out of small sided games or um unopposed practices in certain ways that you're getting and it has to be pitches that you're working on with your formation as well. So we don't just put willy nilly sessions on. It it's all based around the formation we're playing and the principles. Yeah. The beliefs we've got around the way we play so
1: how is craig how is um how has pre-season changed from your day at the cobblers yeah do, do you um yomper around abington park
0: <laughs> you know i was talking about this uh on the way home on tuesday night actually and uh my assistant uh we, we were having a chat in the car and he said he thought desborough um were fitter than us uh yeah. so that that's um quite interesting because towards the end of the game the last 10 minutes we were weathering a storm um because they were so gun ho so their their adrenaline was to go forwards go forwards whereas we were so composed mentally um yes. i thought i our fitness was at least up there with them because fatigued legs lead to fatigued minds and fatigued minds make mistakes um you know and such wood we we stuck to our task we worked on some stuff on saturday in training before tuesday's game ahead of tuesday's game that that allowed us to um work uh defensively and collectively uh as a, as a team and we did that and the outcomes for me that i was seeing Showed me that we were at a level of fitness that was good enough, you know, to to compete and keep a clean sheet. Um, so it's easy to have energy when you're losing, and you've got to throw things forward, and you you know you chase. Um, but to keep your concentration uh, at the end of the game as well is also a sign of um, you know solid fitness. So the fitness at the Cobblers, yeah, I mean, was uh, we I was talking about what we did with Theo Foley, and we used to do God bless him, we used to do. Uh, pitch run so we'd go on the race course in the morning pre-season we'd do something like go down towards the bottom end the Barrett road end and where it was quiet split us into sixes um, and then we'd do um, laps of the pitch so we'd do five laps uh, a group, another group would run and do five laps while we rested. Then we'd do four laps, all all continuous. So it'd have to be under a certain time. So your five laps might have been under six minutes, your four laps under five minutes and so on. Yeah. So you'd go five, four, three, two, one. And then you'd go one, two, three, four, five. And at the end of it, I, 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 was, you know, I was six foot one. Even when I was 16, 17, 18, 19, I was 13 and a half stone. You know, and and yeah. that wasn't fat. That was like solid mass it's harder to move that than say a darren arman at five foot six who's nine stone, yeah. ringing wet through and or a mark parsons you know who was 10 stone max five foot seven and could run all day you know yeah. you know them type of lads were more conditioned to do that type of work i would have thought you know and there was me steve terry terry angus <laughs> Irving gurnan in the early days you know like plodding trying to keep up by the time you know we'd got in we'd got less time to recover you know because we it took us a little bit longer and you always seem to be struggling um but then we'd go you know we'd do that and then we'd go out in the afternoon for the second session which was ball work and your legs felt like jelly you know? <laughs> You're trying to. Your brain was saying, right, move your feet to there and there, and it, you just, you know, for the early days, so um, uncoordinated, um, you know, until you got the level of fitness that was required. But I'd say for a defender, a centre centre half, or even a, to a certain degree, if back in the day you had your target men, centre forwards, almost. Yeah. You know, we didn't cover as much ground even now they don't although they do cover more ground you know we did as much ground as a central midfielder or maybe an attacking winger or a up and down fullback so you know but nobody questioned it nobody really questioned position specific training you know I mean now you'd probably get you know I, I, I like to split it off as and when I can normally slightly different but do some unit work um you know around what we do so Saturday I split it into two and we did some forward play and some defensive play and that was the position specific work that they in you know if you've got more coaching staff you you delegate areas of the pitch that you want to work on and off you go and we'll meet up in an hour and we'll put it put it into a whole game but you know for, for us it's um it's using your time as, as best you can. But yeah, the, the, the bad old days, if, if you like, yeah, around the race course. And then we'd do the Abington Park, and you'd do two and a half laps of Abington Park under a certain time, all the way around the outside of the tree line, for those that know Abington Park.
1: Yeah, that's tough. That's tough
0: yeah it was it was and around the lake at the bottom was the toughest because you got this hill that seemed to last forever <laughs>
1: uh, i think steve brown i we were speaking to him, but i think he's even though he was obviously a fit guy played at really high level so that still gives it. him nightmares i think that, that, runs, that just shows you
0: if it had rained that morning you felt like you were running up bloody treacle you know
1: because... <laughs> so yeah so obviously things have have uh, have moved on a little bit since then. Um talking about that Cobblers connection, you've got um a young forward, I believe um Jack Doldy who was in the the Cobblers youth system, quite quite highly regarded regarded and I wouldn't uh, say it's a coup to get him playing for you, but um a, a good positive player for you. Forward.
0: Well, um funny story about that one because when I was assistant manager at St. Ives in the Southern league, he was out on loan at St. Neots, and I'm going back about two years now, minimum. Um, and he gave uh, two center halves a real tough game. Um, and I've kept my eye on him ever since. Cause obviously I looked into what where he was, et cetera, et cetera. And he yeah. was on loan from the cobblers at two St. Neots at the time and um, did a little bit of homework. Like you, do and you just keep your own names, and he disappeared off the radar um, a little bit and was playing with his mates at uh, Wellingborough Whitworths um, in okay. the I count his Div One last season. Uh, just he was uh, probably my second phone call actually, um, just to see what he was up to, and um, he was he was actually chomping at the bit to step up higher, but boys coming out of the academy system don't really know where to make contact with people, you know, unless they've got an agent or and not many of the boys at league one, league two have.
1: Yeah.
0: So he was, yeah, like I say, Jack was, yeah, he is a big signing for us, um, you know, and he's, his attitude has been brilliant. His um, ethics towards work. He had to isolate for 10 days because he got pinged with COVID, but he hasn't missed one minute of a training session or a game other than out with COVID. And he's very effective for us in what he does. Um, massive team player. Um, and yeah, just just uh, a leader. I can see him. He needs 12 months solid now playing football regularly. Um, he's an assist player, but he got two on Tuesday. Uh, so he can score goals um but he's a great link-up player as well very intelligent um do you
1: think um do you think coming through the cobblers you know set up uh, it does give these even you know if you maybe don't make it specifically at the cobblers does it give these sort of young players that have been through the system just that little bit more of a, a professional understanding maybe a bit more of a what, what the job job entails
0: um it definitely gives them um, a more professional understanding. Yeah, if they've took their academy life or scholarship seriously, um, yeah. it gives them an insight into what coaching sessions uh, look like if they're structured. Um, yeah. You know. I've, you know i've not done my badges not to use that that um you know the structure that you sort of showed all the way through your, your career of, of coaching and, and the process so he knows what coaching sessions look like he is professional but on the flip side to that tom some of the lads that i've signed that have only been grassroots and come through the local uh, united counties league clubs or southern league clubs from the, through their youth system yeah some those boys that come through understand the level better and they understand um the the reality of yeah. having uh, that's, for example, um, five or six coaching staff to do everything for you. Somebody uh, laying out all your kit for you pre-training, um, you know, somebody feeding you in the morning, you know, because they'd, they'd have had, you know, the scholars would have gone in and had, had breakfast at the at Moulton College or whatever, or had a yeah. bite to eat afterwards, which is what happens at a lot of pro clubs, you know. But they've, you know, they don't get that. And, and they're... What I find is some of them are not Jack because he's tough as old boots, Jack. And um, yeah. that's a long way, especially at the level, because um, it's a very manly level. And I've got mm-hmm. a very useful sort of look inside with a lot of teenagers and 20, 21-year-olds. But yeah. um, he, it, it, what I find is with the lads that come up through the grassroots levels, often, and not every time, are just a little bit more hardy and tougher mentally because they've already done the the hard hours on the crappy wet training yeah. pits and, you know yeah. they've run up and down because with all due respect there's not enough coaches to take separate uh you know sessions or unit work or whatever so they haven't had that luxury whereas the pro lads that drop through They've had that luxury. They've had all brand new kit given them, boots, uh, yeah. coaches hanging off them, you know, to try and improve them and all the rest of it. What you get at pro level, and yeah. sometimes they can be a little bit timid, um, you know. And that's not their fault, and it's not a criticism. Um, they've got other things going for them, but they can be a little bit lighter minded, if you like, to to the. Mm. To that depends sort of it depends on the
1: individual of course and with every player because so i guess some players if you've been released by cobblers it might not it might really knock your confidence and i and I know some players actually do drift out of the game that's come through like pro academies and that's that's pretty sad some players might be the opposite and think well i'm going to prove i've got a point to prove it i think you know i think i'm probably better than this level so i'm going to absolutely work my ass off to to get to get back up where i i need to be so yeah, I reckon it boils down boils down to sort of individual mindsets, and I guess as a coach, that's you've got to nurture that in all the players, haven't you?
0: I think my management is i of that to um, learn. Uh, as uh, being an assistant, it helped me a lot. Um, yeah. Managers a little bit higher up you know and listening and watching what they do um you know because i was when i was in my early years probably as a a coach or a manager i wanted everyone to approach everything the way i approached it you know and that was just a hundred percent committed and and nothing else you know to a certain degree mattered and you know on it was it was all about football but some of them are not like that some of them have a different mindset you don't have to be loud and noisy to be a leader, you could be something else, you know, so some of them now just need a quiet word and some of them need nothing and others need a G up. And I, I, I'm not saying I get it right or any manager gets that right, but you know, it is, it is based on the individual and not every individual it is the same. You know, they've got different mindset, even, you know, diff, different outlook on things as well. You know, football might not be the be all and end all, um, you know, and the, mm-hmm. If my lads have got them married or anything like that, I've only got two that are
1: probably <laughs> all a bit young. Who yeah. would you say was the um, who would you say was the best man manager at the Cobblers? Maybe in the nineties, would you say as a manager and whatever
0: at the Cobblers? Um, good question. I would say, and he wasn't the manager; he was the assistant. But Stuart Bevan, okay, uh, Stuart Bevan was the best. Man to man, person to talk to. Uh, yeah. He was assistant to Phil Chard. Um, Theo had his favourites um and lads that he didn't like. So for me, Theo and I'm not talking bad of him. He, I know he didn't like Dave Scope. um He wasn't overly keen on Bobby Barnes. Um, okay. wasn't massive on Irving Gurnan. Um, he played them all, but I, he, 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 they wasn't his favourites. Um, yeah. He loved um, people like Steve Terry and um, oh, who else did he love? He loved um, he loved Barry Richardson because he was just a fitness fanatic.
1: <laughs> but then I guess it was a bit different for Foley because he'd been through Arsenal as well. He'd been through the top level, yeah. so yeah, maybe he had that sort of element to, me, to him that he'd been through, you know, being assistant to George Graham, just having that different, different sort of uh, viewpoint on things.
0: Oh, definitely. And his coaching was you know, was up there as well, Theo. He liked to put a session on, you know, and he liked to work towards Saturday um, against certain opposition, as did Phil, you know. But you asked me about man managers. I, w- I would say Joe Kean was was a lovely guy as well. Mm-hmm. Really had time for anyone and everyone. Um, what a special guy. But for approachability and... Yeah. Just, having a probably having a laugh Bev was like if you knew what Stu was like he was um, quite light hearted and yeah and all the rest of it but yeah he was he was quite
1: a experienced player as well and I think his son's a player as well if 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 I'm not mistaken he's um yeah he was he'd been around the block I reckon
0: yeah he's done really well in like league ones and I think predominantly league one although he was in the championship for a bit I believe and then I don't know if he's still playing but yeah great career like his dad very much like his dad you know just built similar as well Um, you know but yeah Bev was Bev was good Um, the worst man manager had to be John Barnwell by the way (laughs) I know
1: we have talked about John Barnwell in the last one and uh, yeah yeah, sort of um, rubbed a few few, few people up the wrong way including yourself I think
0: (laughs) yeah got to get that in um, so let's but- um
1: let's let's move on to before we shoot off let's move on to just I guess your ambitions for Cooknoy because I've I've been following Cooknoy on social media and stuff like that and it looks like there's been a bit of money going on the ground I think they've upgraded the the floodlights the pitch looks absolutely top notch mm-hmm. um, would you say it's a club with ambitions of going a little bit higher
0: yeah definitely um i think the the chairman's made that publicly clear you know nigel wagstaff uh who also used to have a little bit to do with northampton town um uh, up to recent years but i think the chairman uh as yeah he's upgraded the lights uh, he's got uh four people now all within the club volunteers working on the pitch um he uh, as he came to an agreement with, I think the cricket that we use in the the, the training area, he, he's come to an agreement with them that they play cricket elsewhere. So it's just purely football now. Yeah. Uh, he's got big um, ambitions to uh, grow the the youth setup, which is which yeah. already in place there from from younger ages up to eighteen. Um, and then yeah, he's trying to. He's got uh, ideas of um, building new changing rooms to make the initial changing rooms over the other side more for functions and and parties to bring money into the club. But yeah, I think for, for at first team level, he's sort of made it clear that over the next uh, three or four years, it definitely like to be um, moving in the right de- direction towards a promotion. Um, you know whether that's under me, or you know, somebody else, I, I don't know. You know, I'd like to. I mean, in my head, I don't want to ever lose a game, you know. So, yeah. um, but I know that you know, the rule of maths is you, you're gonna lose games in the season, but you know, so if we can be competitive this season, I think that's my remit is to be competitive with a young sort yeah. of uh coming through, uh, to to try and to push on maybe next season and the season after to, to grow with the players that we've signed, you know, so we've signed a lot of 18, 19, 20, 21s that in two, three seasons time will be, man manly and match ready to hopefully if you stick to your principles and your um your methods uh consistent um you know it could lead to good results which obviously results lead to league positions you know so yeah
1: exactly i just feels like there needs to be a little bit of patience there it's obviously a medium-term project yeah, yeah. when you going in when you invest in something in football you don't get dividends straight away it's not a casino it's gonna it's a long-term sort of medium-term payout so um i think just you know on face value there's the right things are going on there especially with the youth development and um yeah it we would wanna... be nice i reckon if you know if there was some sort of tie-in with the cobblers obviously you've got a link there you know would you like to maybe borrow a couple of players or something is it do you reckon that's achievable
0: i mean at the moment i'm, I'm... If it was at at this present time, if they turned around and said, "Would you want a couple?", I'd um, turn it down because I've got a group of sixteen to eighteen players in the squad that, day one, um, have been virtually there every time we've put a session on, which has been three times a week at times. Uh, Yeah. You know, and they've they want to be part of it. Collectively, we've got a good sort of feel and togetherness about us. Um, and that that can help, you know, with results, so, at the moment, because I've got a full quota, I'd probably say no, but having said that, in six, eight weeks' time, if God forbid, and touch wood, and all the rest of it, we had some yeah. interest, I, I could pick the phone up to, you know, maybe an Ian Samson, uh, you know, or, or even, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to bother John, but I know John a little bit, so I've had players yeah. in the past, and he's not, he's very down to earth, you know, he's, he's not oh. one of timers that you can't talk to is very approachable so um mm. i could you know without dropping names probably talk to a couple of people there and, yeah. and see if it's doable um you know yeah but. i just
1: think it's nice to it's it, it's it's good to have that link up i think and sometimes it doesn't do the players too much harm to go down there learn their craft a little bit and it would be nice for some cobbler's fans as well like we're going to try and pop down when um, the fixtures allow, like Cobblers fans to pop down, and I bet you know it's a good little day. They've got a bar there and stuff like that. If Cobblers fans want to come down and
0: yeah, the bar is fantastic, and I tell you what, it's one of the most friendly football clubs, you know that you you could go into. The bar area is brilliant. It's got a couple of big TV screens, so if you want to stand there and watch the results before, during, or after the game, or whatever, yeah. uh, they've got a live game on as well. Um, you know they, they've got I don't know hundreds uh to 200 sort of seats and terrace covering um around the ground you know if it's a nice day and you just want to stand near the near the halfway line over near the dugouts or whatever you know and and that is class there's a little tin terrace behind one of the goals and where you could make some noise it ain't exactly the hotel end but it's you know (laughs) it just sounds
1: good to me especially if cobblers are playing away, long long range away trip, people that can't you know, might maybe not go in and um cooking out at home. yeah,
0: uh, yeah, we've got lads that'll go through yeah, I won't name names, but we've got five or six boys, if not more, that would don't mind going in the trenches and they'll roll their sleeves up and give you something to cheer about. I'll, I'll tell you that now. Um, that, that
1: does sound like the cobblers of the early 90s, mate. <laughs> That's what it, That it sounds exactly right. I've got, we've got to shoot off now because we've been talking for a while. But um, yeah, if, if you could perhaps just, if you can, I know it's difficult to remember them all, but what's your sort of upcoming fixtures? Can you remember off the top of your head?
0: Well, on Saturday, we're in the FA Cup at home to Haverhill. Um, nice. next Tuesday we play the league favourites uh, Harbour Town uh, at Compton Park as well so we're at home uh, nice yeah two, two um, games running
1: well I'll, I'll put the fixtures up on the uh, on our Twitter anyway so people can have a look but listen it's always um, really good talking to you we could just talk for hours about all those those memories of those bittersweet days at the county ground but um, good luck for the rest of your fixtures mate and we'll speak again um, soon no doubt take it easy mate
0: thank you Tom thanks for having me on cheers mate Cheers, Bye-bye. mate.
1: Right, well, let's move on to Saturday's game against Port Vale. These um, first games are really hard to predict on many levels, fitness levels, who's available with COVID, who's not. A whole new team of players for Northampton really. So, on that one, Martin, <laughs> I know you're just speaking to you previously. You're you're not 100% sure you, about
3: how the season's going to go for the Cobblers. I think winners. When it's a brand new team and we've been here so many times, you just don't know. I was I was doing a walk around with the um, I work nights now, doing a walk around with the shift manager earlys, and I I bumped into Terry, uh, one of uh, there's a 40th driver at our place who um, is a cobbler, and I said, "Oh, Terry, you're optimistic," and he nailed it. He said, "Martin, I'm always optimistic this time of year for the first game of the season." Whoever you've got in, you, yeah, it gives you hope. And you know we had a great, great year under Curl, Won the playoff. Terrible year, but some optimism at the end that gave you some good faith in Brady. Having what I've only watched one preseason for anyone to Sil- because Silby is like it's like going to church. You've, you've always got to go to that game. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm like, There's some good wide players there. He's brought some footballers in. Flores, you, you look at that goal he scored in the, Irish le- in the, the League of Ireland, rather. So, there's loads of reasons to be optimistic. But equally, it could all go pear-shaped. We just do not know. But that's one of the great things about the sport we follow. It's like, you just don't know.
1: Yeah, it's quite exciting in a way, because I, I guess we're in that sort of position where... I think the club had to go with a character like Brady, maybe promoting from within, because we've been through so many managerial many merry-go-round types that we were sort of running out almost of people we could we could hire, and um, the choices weren't that you know promising. So I think the main thing with Brady is everyone's rooting for him. Quite clearly, the managerial team of Calderwood and uh, Mark uh, Richards, they they care about the club and um, they're trying to put in place some. Um, Sort of operational stuff that's going to take a while to to sort of all gel together. But um yeah, within a whole new team, it could be touch and go. It could go either way. Really, it could really gel when you know they brought in the right types, or you know they could fail to mesh together and struggle a little bit. But it's going to be a difficult season for all the, all the clubs with COVID. There's probably be a couple of basket case financial clubs in the league. There'll be probably a few players missing here and there as a as the pandemic continues. So
3: I'm, I'm quite I'm quite philosophical it, we're lucky. Uh, t- t- I don't I do do think, Tom, t- you, you said about they'd they, they exhausted the managerial merry mer- run. Yeah. I don't think it ever gets exhausted. <laughs> I, mean, I, I genuinely, genuinely think with football, it's like if you are of a certain age, you're an ex manager, generally a white guy in a tracksuit, so it's like, yeah, you'll always get employed. It's, <laughs> it, you know, these people keep getting jobs, so uh, as long as they keep making ill-fitting track suits these people will <laughs> still be in jobs but I think what I like what I like about the Brady appointment is you know it, sometimes you sack the manager and you just think right get someone in to go you know, bring some more players in get rid of some players but what I liked about the club's thinking was we can't keep doing that yeah right the youth team manager up he knows everyone here. He gets a couple of his mates in, the people we like, you know, in Sampson and, and Richards. He knows what he's got. Didn't keep us up, but got a bit, bit of a better tune out, out of them. And he's earned the right, I think, to, to get rid of players and to bring players in.
1: Yeah.
3: And I will, more so than most managers, you know, I always want to wear as a manager of be with my team. I will... On a personal level, I would love John Brady to be successful because after the doerness and the horribleness of the end of of Keith Curl's reign, yeah. There was someone where every post match interview gave me a feeling he cared even more than me as a supporter.
1: Yeah. There were yeah, things were you-
3: emotional. Yeah. And he cared about play. He talked about the mental side with players. You know, whereas yeah. Curl was a bit, a bit of a, a bully. You know, do it, do it my way. Do it. Went, which worked? Which worked for a while. And yeah, yeah. Were better, de- better decisions at the end of, of the season before. Maybe it would have worked in this level. But it's like, this was someone who I'm like, you know, I manage people at work. I looked at him and thought, what well, he gets people.
1: Yeah. I, I think you're right. For the, me, I'm
3: almost like going to, into it. to work to, to validate that's the right way to manage people like who knows we could be anywhere
1: yeah yeah it's a fair summary for me it's almost like I'm trying to go back to to my days in the 90s where whereby you would just turn up and take take it on face value you read the paper once a week and you get bits of information you know the fanzine and stuff like that but with the sort of information overload on the internet and stuff now and Little bits that are going on behind the scenes, off the pitch and stuff. It's, you know, it's it takes some of the joy out of the, the out football. And I think, I f- mean, maybe for the last couple of seasons, maybe a bit longer. Like some of the joy has been taken out because I, I do take an interest in stuff off the pitch and stuff like that. But just for the season, and maybe because of COVID, and you sort of reevaluate things a little bit. I'm just going to take it as it comes, take it as it comes. If only you know anything serious has gone off the pitch, I'll probably like have an opinion on it. But I'm just literally going. I haven't been to any matches in pre-season. I don't really know any of the players really. I know that Ete looks good from or Tete looks good from Tottenham. Uh, obviously, I'm a fan of Chukwumiko, but I'm just literally going to try and go and just take the games on face value. Not you know, not take it too seriously because um, that's what life's not like now. You know, in general with COVID, and we don't know. We don't know if we'll have a football league in next year, two years time. You know, what's what's going on. So, I think. Yeah, I think just just take it on you are you're, you're quite happy to go lucky anyway, but just take it on face, you know, take it on face value. <laughs>
3: uh, Enjoy I've, it. it is. Yeah, I've i I've seen us miss out on the playoffs to go into what we're doing the championship. I've seen us stay up on the last day of last day of the season, to stay in the league. It's all these things are possibilities. And, yeah. you know, when you football's wonderful, you know, it, it, it's it it cuts you down when you think you're top of the league and it and it lifts you up when when things look look dire but i think one of the things you said there was interesting and i hadn't thought about it before but the stuff about the off-field stuff and the the things you know the, more than you knew 20 years 20 30 years ago yeah actually those things were still going on 20 30 years ago yeah the problem isn't that you know them it's like actually it's a benefit that you know them because when Underwood sold to McRitchie, or Banks le- left and Underwood took over. All these things were going on. There were all sorts of shenanigans. Probably way worse than we see now. Yeah. it's just more visibility of it now, and that's a, yeah. you know that's a good thing.
1: Yeah, I, I, yeah, I take your point. I'm just, I'm just literally, I'm just gonna take take the games on face value, join for what the, what they are, you know, and just
3: Listen. just see how it goes. But I, I guess that takes so to a lot prediction. It's not life and death, right? It's absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. The worst possible outcome is we finish bottom of the league with no points and we're going to conference next year. Yeah. We're doing this podcast in a year's time and the cobblers are in conference and we cobble together a side. Tell me we aren't still all on this podcast and we're all thinking, right, this is awful. Here's a bunch of new grounds to go to and we're all doing it
1: exactly exactly well, so that yeah, takes us on to ball. um we'll you're wrap up your life we'll wrap up now there's only um a couple of us left we're dropping like flies but we'll be back next time um we'll just gonna do a little score prediction actually on um wallock we're taking over the uh ntsc scores league so if you're listening and you want to join in just go on our twitter and you can join in all we literally ask for is the score from the game the first scorer and the attendance within 100 sounds quite difficult but Quite a few people do get the attendance. Now, I think you've already done this, Martin. I think you do it online, but you have to remember what you
3: um, went for. Um, I, I, I think I do. I think I do. So what, what, what score did you go for against Port Vale online? For some reason, I have a memory. Most games we play against Port Vale at home, we win to nil. There's something about them. Okay. So I went 2-0. Yep. I went Cavamba first goal. Although I think he's going to get a lot more assists and goals, just with the little bits I've seen of him playing. And I went five two five zero oh, for the um, attendance. Okay. I, I wonder if we should, with the attendance, make it a little bit tastier out of the Prices Right. Well, bang on. Well, no. Well, no. If you're bang on, it's good. But if you're over, you're bust.
1: Ah, oh, I see what you
3: mean. Okay. Let's see how we got on with the, the sort of existing ones. Well, quite. I hard, might be this
1: overthinking thing. this. It's yes. Yes. But um. Yeah, like it's all a shot in the dark at the moment. No one really knows what the hell's going on. So, I went 2-0. That's quite... Was it 2-1? I, think I, was, I think No, 2-1 two one two one I went. 2-1. Two 2-1. Two one. Two one. I think... I, don't know, I haven't looked much at Paul ball this season. I know they've always got some quality players and they work very well one club with that and those new owners. So, they'll be all right. But I just reckon we've got quite a few forwards, hopefully, touch wood. The two w- two, Probably won't. One thing
3: that excites me, it's the two-wingers we got. They yeah. both really really what I've seen in montages and obviously the montage of any player looks great but um, and what I've seen of them at Silby and a couple of the highlights of other games I'm like yeah, yeah. that's going to excite us
1: so, so I went 2-1 um, Etete the Tottenham loanee he's, he's very well regarded at Tottenham he's a bit of a coup I'm still not sure if that is some sort of you know, don't quote me on this, I'm, I'm not even sure about this, but if it, that's some sort of deal involving Chukwamika, Chukwamika might end up as spurs or something, but he's he's a, he's a coup to get anyway, so I've gone him for first goal scorer and attendance. The club are talking up the attendance, um, and there is a lot of interest in going back to games. I still think a few people might stay away. Uh, I know Port Vale brought bringing quite a few, so I went. I think I went at 5,600, 5,700. Oh yeah, it's all on the Twitter anyway, so we'll um compare notes next time we're online we're gonna um try and do two um podcasts a month so bi-monthly and um yeah just trying to uh, try and do a bit more with a uh, few podcasts but um cheers for joining us martin let's uh enjoy the game on saturday cheers and we'll talk so- again
3: i'll see you saturday yeah take it easy mate cheers man cheers mate bye-bye all right.